Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Hear now the word of the Lord from the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. We say thanks be to God. Lord be with you, Tulare Community Church. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at TCC. It is a true honor to be able to celebrate today what we call Blue Sunday. It's a very special day because on this day, in person, we will be joining together to worship alongside the gatekeepers of our community, the Tulare Police Department. I speak on behalf of not only our church community, but our community at large when we say thank you. So our police department, we are so indebted to their service. We are so indebted to their sacrifice. It has not been an easy couple years, and I cannot imagine how trying it has been for so many. And we're here to tell them and anybody listening that their labor is not in vain. We owe a debt of gratitude to each and every one of those who keeps our community safe. If you are listening to this and you serve within our community, within our police department, thank you. Earlier, we had an opportunity to hear from the book of Colossians. I don't want to take too much time today. It's a short passage, but the passage's message is clear. Prayer is essential, so stay vigilant. Prayer is essential, so stay vigilant. And we'll get to what that actually means in a minute. First, I want to talk about something that is going to get everyone who has to listen to me every week or on a regular basis to roll their eyes and say sarcastically, oh really? But all of you who are listening to this for the very first time get to hear it for the first time, so I don't care. I ran track at the greatest university on planet Earth. I loved being an athlete. I loved also studying what athletes do. I loved studying how the really successful ones carried themselves, how they composed themselves. Maybe you can relate to this, right? It's, it's not just the technique and the form, but it's the pre-competition rituals, those really cool choreographed handshakes where they do all kinds of stuff. You know what I'm talking about. I wanted in to that club, you know what I mean? So I won't ever forget, during one meet against Michigan State, which is a school that no one likes, I'm slated to run the 400 meters. My nerves are racing. I hadn't been able to keep any food down for 36 hours. Palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. And I do my routine. I get in the blocks, I, I kick back, I make sure my feet are set. And then, completely out of nowhere, I cross myself. Now, I'm 18 at this point, and I had probably been to church maybe 10 times in my entire life. I hadn't the slightest idea what I was doing. I wasn't a Christian. I didn't grow up doing that. No one had ever taught me what I was even supposed to be doing or why. 
No clue whatsoever. And I could stand here in front of a bunch of folks who detect lies for a living, this is Blue Sunday, and do just that and say that it was a prophetic moment and the Holy Spirit was telling me I was going to be a pastor, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is that it just looked sweet when Usain Bolt did it and things obviously worked out for him, so I figured, why not give it a try? In the moment, obviously, it seemed like a good thing to do. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you hang a cross on a rear view mirror of your car. A lot of us will say something like, God bless you, to someone who's asking for change. We get a Bible verse tattoo without really knowing what the context is or even really what it means. Speaking for a friend there, of course. Someone says grace at Thanksgiving or a pastor prays at a funeral and we bow our heads in reverence. Now, is any of this bad? Well, no, not at all. There are far worse things to hang on our rearview mirrors, I can imagine. There are certainly far worse tattoos to adorn our bodies with. Far, far worse things to say to someone who is simply asking for change. We do these things because they seem like good things to do. And so I wonder... Where does something like prayer fall into all of this? No matter what you believe about God or eternity or the Christian faith or any sort of religion, it's a cold, hard fact that most people in America pray. The Barna Group conducted a study in 2017 that found that 79% of American adults have prayed at least once in the past three months. One study even found that nearly 30% of atheists admitted they prayed sometimes. An Italian scholar named Giuseppe Jordan stated, In virtually all studies of the sociology of religious behavior, it is clearly apparent that very high percentage of people declare they pray every day, and many say even many times a day. Statistically, the top four things that that people pray about are... One, gratitude and thanksgiving. Two, the needs of my family and community. Three, personal guidance and crises. Four, my health and wellness. And the overwhelming majority, 90%, pray to God, whomever that might be for them, but they pray to God. The point is, people pray. There's all kinds of science that even shows us that praying is quantifiably good and beneficial for our physical health. People pray, and prayer is good. But it's one thing to pray at the Thanksgiving table, and another to pray for change, for justice, for goodness in the world around us. Sometimes people throw around phrases like, just pray about it, or I'm praying for you, without really knowing what about. And I doubt any of us have ever said, no, actually I won't, or please don't do that. But I do wonder if any of us have ever responded in our heads, yeah, that's nice, but I certainly don't see it doing much. In a world where evil exists, where bad and selfish intentions seem to come out on top a lot more than they should, it's understandable to ask, well, why pray at all? 
It's Blue Sunday, and if you're a police officer and you're watching this, you likely see more evil in a month than the majority of the rest of us will see in a lifetime. And if you're a police officer, or even if you're not, and you've asked this question, let me tell you that you are not alone. It's a valid question. It's a fair question. It's a hard question, a good question. I know you said it was essential, Mr. Preacher Guy, but if so many people pray and there's still so much pain, so much brokenness, what's the point? How has prayer ever moved the needle one inch? Our passage of scripture has an answer for us, but I need you to stick with me because it might catch all of us a little off guard. The t-shirts that we've got for you this year have the Greek word gregoreo on them. That word means vigilant, alert, or awake. It comes to us from the book of Colossians, this particular reference. The book of Colossians is found in the New Testament. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the Christian church in the city of Colossae. Paul is writing this letter, ironically for today, from prison. In fact, along with a few other letters in the New Testament, some of, all of which are known as the epistles, though not all of the epistles constitute this small group, the book of Colossians is known as one of the prison letters. And we'll get to why he's in prison in a minute. But he's writing this letter to encourage the Christians in this city. They haven't screwed up in some major way. They're not out of bounds theologically or doctrinally. Paul is simply writing to encourage them to stay the course. And our passage in chapter 4 contains his final instructions. Here's how he starts off in chapter 4, verse 2. He says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer. All right, all right, Paul. We get it. Prayer is good. Okay, the guy that we've just been listening to for the last several minutes told us that prayer is good and about how good prayer is. Saying, pray prayers of thanks, pray for my family, pray for help, pray for health, pray, pray, pray. And that's probably what Paul is doing, right? If we don't really have the context, the guy's in prison, okay? He's probably praying something along the lines of God. If you get me out of here, I'll never do anything to get in trouble again. And who would blame him? I can't imagine what prison is like 1900 and some odd years ago. And he even starts in verse 3, and pray for us too. So he's writing a letter from prison to his friends asking if they'll pray for him. Probably something like, get me out of here, right? I want to breathe fresh air again. I want a home-cooked meal. Let's finish verse 3 to see what he says. He says, And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. So he's in chains. He's in prison, potentially facing torture or even death for sharing the gospel, for sharing the Christian faith. And he's asking for prayer to get out of prison so he can go right back out and do the very thing that got him thrown into prison in the first place? 
He even goes on in verse 4. He says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. What is going on? See, the Christian faith centers around Jesus Christ. Christians believe that Jesus was 100% human and 100% God, that he had one will. Christians believe that Jesus performed actual, literal, jaw-on-the-floor miracles, and that these miracles attracted quite the following. And Jesus spoke to that following. He preached to them. He taught them. And one time, he's preaching. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount, and he had this to say about prayer. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, I'm not here to tell any of you today that praying for yourself, praying for your family or your community, our community, is wrong. It's not. Please pray. What I am here to tell you is that the ultimate purpose of prayer isn't actually about us. The ultimate purpose of prayer isn't about our will. It's not about our desires and hopes and comfort. The ultimate purpose of prayer is about God. It's about His will, and it's about aligning ourselves with that will and not our own. And if you're listening to this and you have a hard time believing in God at all, let alone praying for His will to be done, and you're wondering how His will is trustworthy at all, look to Jesus. No matter where you stand on this whole Christianity thing, it's hard to think poorly of Jesus. And as Jesus was attracting a following, the political authorities of the time, they got anxious that their power was in jeopardy. And they plotted a plan to arrest him. Jesus, as God, he knows this. And the night he is to be arrested, he backs up his own teaching. He proves the trustworthiness of God's will when this happens. This is in Matthew 26, verses 39 and 42. It says this, Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. This cup that he is referring to is the arrest that faces him, and that arrest will lead him to be tortured, nails hammered through his hands and feet, stuck to a piece of wood, his body hung up in the air, dying in all likelihood from an inability actually to breathe. He knows this is coming and he prays, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. But that wasn't God's will. It was God's will to safe. Because the Christian faith believes that human beings from the beginning have been more concerned with being God than being with God. The Christian faith states that time and time again, we have chosen to live for ourselves rather than living for the God who created us in a form of rebellion. 
That rebellion left a chasm between us and God that was so wide that we could never cross it ourselves. We were powerless, and God had every right to leave us in the dark, lost and without hope. But that wasn't his will either. Paul and Jesus pray for God's will to be done. Despite their dangerous, terrifying circumstances, because they trust that God's will is entirely and completely good. And how has he proven that to be true? Because he acted. He didn't leave us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, the person most precious to him, into the world. And it was his will for Jesus to take our place on the cross. See, we deserved death, but Jesus is the one who died. And in his death, the chasm between us and God was bridged. When we believe in Jesus' sacrifice and believe that he rose from the dead three days after he was killed, our sins, our pain, the burdens, the baggage that we carry around with us vanish. We are forgiven. It's God's will to save And when we believe in what God was willing to do to save us, we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him. And if we live for him, that means we live in accordance with his will. And if we live in accordance, and we live in accordance with his will through prayer. That is what prayer is all about. Living in accordance with God's will and believing based on his actions that that will is good. So each of us today has a choice. We can either live by our will, live by our impulses, our wants, as confusing and selfish as they might be, or in accordance with the will of the one who not only created us, but who offers grace, love, meaning, and purpose to our lives beyond anything we could ever dream. And if we choose the latter, then we must pray. Tim Keller put it this way. He wrote, Prayer is the only entryway into genuine self-knowledge. It is also the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our loves. Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things that he has for us. Indeed, prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we most desire. It is the way we know God, the way we finally treat God as God. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. In other words, prayer is essential, so be vigilant. I want to close with a story that's about the life of a friend of mine. He's a brother of mine in Christ. His name is Rudolfo, or Rudy for short, and Rudy has a crazy story. He's been shot several times, stabbed even more. At one point in his life, he was living under a fake name on the run in Mexico. And at one point in his life, he found himself walking into a prison cell, which he learned he would be sharing with a rival gang member. And as he tells it, he knew that by the morning, only one of them would be alive. And then out of nowhere... He gets on his knees and he prays. 
He doesn't pray that he'll be the one who survives, that he'll get out of prison, that he'll make it through the night. He prayed that he would live his life no longer for himself, but for the one who was willing to sacrifice what was most precious to him to make all things right. This is Rudy in this photo. He's in the middle. I'm not too hard to find. Today, Rudy is an ordained church planter ministering to his home community of Linwood in South Central Los Angeles. He's a chaplain to the Dodgers. He prays to open up city council meetings, and he works endlessly to demonstrate the love of Jesus to his community. And it began with a prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. To truly live, to live for goodness and truth beyond ourselves is to live in accordance with God's will. And for us to live in accordance with God's will, we must pray. Prayer is essential, so stay vigilant. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.